Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Thursday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we have... Well, we have a two-for-one special. How about that? We have one returning guest and one new guest. Uh, and the returning guest, you know him as recently as uh, last week because, folks, I heard nothing but good things in terms of Jacob Beckley and the Beckley Foundation. Everybody was ecstatic to hear about what he's doing over there with the Cure Token. And now we're going to talk about the actual architecture behind it, Cure Chains. With that, Jim Nasser and Jacob Beckley is returning to the program. Jim, you're joining us here in the program. Gents, thanks for joining the program. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having, having me back. Absolutely. Thank you for returning to the program. And like I mentioned there in the uh, the intro, we are really excited because, number one, the audience loved our last conversation, Jacob, but uh, they want to hear more. They want to learn more about how this works, how CureChain isn't just working from a cryptocurrency perspective, but it's actually going to be changing and revolutionizing the way that the healthcare industry really performs and acts across the board. So uh, let's start off here. Uh, Jacob, we, the audience got the chance to get to know you last uh, last week, two weeks ago or so at this point. Um, so how about this? Let's do a quick uh, introduction for Jim uh, to, to join the program. Jim, if you could, uh, a quick bio and, and what brought you a part of this uh, greater Cure Chain Network team? Sure. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you firstly having me on board. Uh, really pleased to, to connect with you and your audience. Uh, really, my background, I am a software developer, technologist, architect, uh, you know, by profession. Uh, and then um, over the last uh, many years, last seven, eight years, I've been largely focused in the healthcare space. Uh, I was at the CDC for a couple of years and, and uh, led software development there. I was the chief software architect there. And then from there, I worked another couple of years in, in a clinical research organization and quite a bit of direct interaction in, in um, clinical research and working with, with uh, mainly large-scale pharmas. And then uh, for the last uh, three years or so, two or three years, um, really working with, with our own company called Acor uh, on building, um, essentially building technologies that, you know, in this new lingo, use systems of truth, mainly blockchain technologies, to help uh, be accountable, be transparent, and, and really help improve healthcare. Uh, and I think that's that's a, a real tie between um, kind of where my head is at and where Jacob is at, in that 
Uh, I think we both believe, and, and over the course of a number of conversations, this has been really echoed, that um, you know, healthcare requires people like us who have a technological um, background, innovation background, to come in and really actually make some things happen. I think, I think there are a lot of people who have good intentions, but not necessarily the right skills. And there are a lot of people who frankly front and don't necessarily, I guess, have a disincentive to really innovate because they make a lot of money the way things are. Uh, I kind of feel like perhaps this is where Jake and I have, have a lot of uh, common ground that, that we have a we have a real kind of um, I guess energy and, and enthusiasm for for actually making making some things happen in the space. And, and I think our track record more or less proves that. So that's really that's really where, where the segue comes in. Jake and I have spoken many times over the last uh, six six eight months about this. And I've been very pleased to see how you know he has almost single handedly kind of grown Cure Token. Uh, and really, as I mentioned, we're, we're technologists. We have, we have built a lot of software, and we think that there's a, there's a nice opportunity to to bring our technology, our our you know kind of orbital and, and skills, and map it to his vision. I love it. And and Jacob, let's maybe turn back towards the episode from last time, um, just as a refresher, because. For the audience who's joining us maybe for the first time, Jim's identifying a lot of the, the problems that he's going to help solve. But what were those problems that you identified in, in the healthcare industry that you want to see solved? Well, I, I think it's simple. You know, the, the reality is, and I learned this from the pandemic, you know, as I said, everyone knows now that I work in innovation. So I'm always dissecting problems and trying to figure out root causes and try to figure out, you know, what resonates and what works in order to craft something different through innovation and come out with something new. And what I discovered during the uh, pandemic, and everybody realized it, it's that well, we were able to come out as a global resource, come out with a, a vaccine very quickly, multiple vaccines, in fact. And uh, it, it just happened differently. Everything kind of, all, all the handcuffs were taken off. And when you break that problem down into uh, the root, uh, I guess the enablers of that solution, it was broken down into access to data uh, being at the core, uh, different than anything had done at, at a global scale like that. Uh, also, researchers stopped working in these pockets and silos all throughout the world. You know, research, unfortunately, is is done in vacuums a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times. And, you know, there was also that incentive and motivation, you know, the motivation being, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to die, you know, and you didn't, we didn't know how bad this was going to be or how how the cascading effects, and we still don't know how, how long the cascading effects are going to be here. But uh, but by analyzing that and breaking it down and, and into those segments, it's quickly apparent that through the proper technology, proper use of technology, and uh, you know Jim touched on it, but on, on leveraging blockchain technology, we can enable that to occur in modern day research. You know, and that's the vision: is how can we enable research to move faster? You know, get the get the breakthroughs faster. Uh, be more efficient, you know, not like uh, spin cycles and, and waste resources. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that that Cure Chain is one of the solutions, not the, the final end all be all, but it's one of the solutions that's going to help solve that problem. And, and I want to apply it to research first, and then we can see where it goes from there. But but uh, as everyone knows, my foundation has been focused on on uh, funding pediatric cancer research for many years. And, uh, you know, my background in technology, my background in innovation, the launch of Cure Token, and uh, and meeting up with, with Jim Nasser has just kind of enabled all of this to come together in, in just a, a perfect sort of sort of storm where I feel we're going to be able to to truly innovate in a space that's it's really hard to uh, to innovate in. 
Yeah. Well, and one of the things I was going through and I was looking at some of the uh, the stuff that you guys have been looking at, and I would love, Jim, for you to dig into this idea of DLT anchoring. And this is going to be addressing one of the main problems that, that Jacob mentioned here, and that was the access to data and, and the fact that that was so difficult and how this is going to help solve that problem. Jim, could you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, uh, Brian. Um, so, like... <laughs> As um, Jake mentioned, um, the data that, that we deal with in healthcare research is siloed, is all over the place. So one of the underlying issues is, can you trust the data? Is it timely? Is it the latest data? Was it consented correctly? Um, is it authentic? All these questions are difficult to answer when you don't really know, when you don't fully control data. And I think we are long past the days of saying, let's just have one gigantic database, you name it, vendor of your choice, IBM, Oracle, whoever, you know, and let's just put everything inside their system and have one vendor of choice, Amazon, whoever manage it. I think that's that's just never gonna happen any, anymore and for a lot of very good reasons. So I think that the real question is, and this is really where, where Jake and I are very much in line is, to go and innovate into the future, you need to, you need to think interoperable data. So data is coming from different places. You don't necessarily control the source of data. So then the question is, well, how do you make sure that the data, as I was mentioning at the beginning, is authentic? Is, is you know, the person who touched it was actually allowed to touch it uh, and did it in, in a way that was accountable. And that's really where uh, this distributed ledger technology anchoring comes in. And, and it's very, very simply, we, we have the ability, especially if you, if you implement it correctly. This is not you know, a general statement, because if you don't implement it correctly, it may not be fast enough, it may not be uh, it may not be affordable enough, it may not be usable enough, but, but I think it can be done, you know, in, in a way where all those things are met. But really what, what it amounts to is that when you, for instance, touch somebody's data, you record, at the same time, you record an immutable, uh, essentially pointer, a transaction reference uh, on a public ledger that says XYZ entity in a, in a, in a privacy-preserving manner, uh, touch this this data, and, and here's a consent that that allowed them to do so. And sometimes that consent comes directly from an individual like me. I'm, I'm providing my my uh, health profile, and, and a clinical researcher can look at it for inclusion in a clinical trial. So, and if and if, if that is truly being done, then that individual can also be incentivized, uh, could be remunerated in, in in some shape or form. Uh, and that's really where I think we're getting to. We we can essentially kind of promote a much more virtuous cycle uh, for, for data usage and, and accountable, you know, kind of research in this way, as opposed to what it is now, which I think is much more of a vicious cycle uh, and, and very much untrusted. And, and I can tell you from my own experience, you know, even having dealt with it at a very large scale with federal government, where, where, you know, you think you know where the data is coming from. In most cases, you'd have to do a second, third, fourth, revisit to the original data source of data to verify whether or not that data was legitimate or, or timely or, or the you know what was consented and all of that makes it very inefficient Jacob how easy will this make healthcare innovation and advancing in research in the future oh I believe it's it's gonna completely flip it on its head uh, you know the the system uh, by which all of this occurs today is a very legacy process, very legacy workflow, very legacy system. I mean, more times than not, even today, researchers are spending much most most of their time 
uh, filling out grant forms and applying for grants and all that. That's the end goal is let's get, let's get them out of that process so that they can do what they wanted to do. People go into research because they want to change the world. They want to find cures. They want to find breakthroughs. And Cure and Cure Chain, I think, is going to be a vehicle to enable that to occur. You know, we're, we're talking the tech side of things. We're talking, you know, the onboarding of data and, and the, the incentivization on from a economic perspective for both researchers and patients. But inevitably, the end goal here is to expedite uh, how fast things can occur. So I think it's going to have uh, you know, just cascading effects uh, throughout not just research. I mean, that's, again, where, where things are starting. But I think the healthcare system in general, I think if we look at the problem differently and stop looking at it from a top-down approach and flip it on its head and say, how can we have a massive impact in, in our stake in healthcare? And, and that's through innovation, it's through community, but it's also through ownership of our information, our data, monetization potentially of our data. And, you know, but as, as Jim says, it's a, uh, you know, it's about proving that that data is authentic, that it's accurate, that there's consent, that that data could, should be accessed. And the best part about the blockchain as well, and where I think uh, blockchain technology is going to have a massive impact on healthcare, is that it is uh, anonymized. You know, it's not tied to uh, Jacob Beckley. It's tied to, you know, the idea of an individual. And there's other demographical information that we can append to this uh, health information. And it's just an extremely valuable resource. And, and to, the problem is, is that it's not accessible. You can't trust it, as, as Jim mentioned, but also people aren't incentivized to want to share it. And I think if people were incentivized to share their information, they would. And they also want the transparency of knowing how their information is being used. How is it being accessed? What research is it being utilized in? And, and by combining all of those sorts of things, there's a value chain uh, throughout this entire ecosystem, which we can, uh, I think, directly impact uh, the, the effects of, of positive research and how fast and rapid those breakthroughs occur. It's exciting stuff because, I mean, and you you actually were going exactly where um, I was actually going to ask the next question about the privacy aspect because I know that's going to be one question that's always going to get asked. And, and let's talk about the actual infrastructure, what what this will look like, um, because it's great to talk about this from just you know the idea and how great it will be. And then in, everybody in the world of sales knows one of the hardest parts is helping make the solution real for the person. So let's make it real for your average person. What does this actually look like from a nuts to bolts standpoint, Jim? And, and I'll direct towards you because obviously you're going to have a much more deep dive approach here to the actual architecture. Sure, sure, Brian. And, and you know. And to be honest with you, and this is really where I think um, Jake and I, again, see eye to eye, you know, it's easy to talk about these concepts, you know, that are kind of uh, high T concepts and, and they kind of resonate, but but unless you can make it real, it, it's really not, it doesn't move any kind of a needle. In fact, it can be a reverse impact and it can become jaded. So really where, where we're at is that we have actually built a number of, if you like, modules or components of what, what Cure Chain looks like. In fact, many of them. As an example, there's this idea of uh, DLT anchoring that you mentioned, Brian, we've already built it at production. We've already done, I think, uh, in the Hedera um, Hashgraph network, we've already done about 20 million production data stamps. So there's plenty of evidence that we can do it and we can do it at scale. We can do it in different ways through apps, you know, through QR codes, you know, through uh, API calls. And in fact, um, uh, Jake and his team have already seen most of that. We have also 
um, and we didn't necessarily talk about this, but, but I will mention it. They have also kind of figured out a very innovative and novel way of using non-fungible tokens to essentially show authenticity of, of consent or, or like a particular um, ownership of, of a data set. So, so not, not the NFTs that you hear about in context of content creators or, or music and, and, and JPEGs and things like this, but much more to, to his raw definition of, of a, a kind of a, a unique global reference, if you like, token, which is really just, just a set of numbers they can use to then point to any kind of digital asset. And, and we have built this technology called RiceHash that allows us to very, very quickly and extremely cheaply and at a large scale associate NFTs to consent to, to data sets and things like this. And really the net of it, and this is a word that we, we kicked around quite a bit with Jake uh, and the team on, on Mondays, is the idea that we can get to demonstrability very, very quickly because a lot of this infrastructure, a lot of the tools are already built. You know, what, what needs to be kind of essentially tailored together is, is the context. Uh, you know, there's some some elements around tokenization that we still have to work through, but much of this is already proven technology that that's working in, in other other areas and other pods. So our whole thinking is, look, just like I was mentioning in the beginning, in terms of data interoperability, you don't need to go back to to point zero to to do really useful things. It's much better for us to say, how do we repurpose some of this open technologies, open APIs, open source things that people have built that are best practice. And then just assemble them correctly and put them in the right in the right business models, and that's really it. Uh, to be honest with you, this is this is the direction. Uh, you know, we feel very confident that uh, at least for, for the for the near time frame, if near being being kind of thought of in, in six to twelve months, that much of what we need is already there. We have already figured out an infrastructure that again Jake and the team have seen that uses um, multiple cloud infrastructure. So all in fact, all three of the big ones. Uh, Amazon, uh, Google, and, and Microsoft Azure uh, in a multi-cloud deployment uh, very, very seamlessly. Uh, we do a lot of work around privacy pres uh, preservation of, of data that goes on the ledger. Again, uh, Jake and team have seen this, where we do one-way pseudonymization of data that goes on the ledger. And, and lots of other details, details that I don't necessarily need to go to at this moment, but, but all to say, a lot of this really has been done in other contexts with other clients. Uh, and so we're excited to kind of bring it together and, and really kind of drive this idea of CureChain being something that becomes hopefully a standard, if not the standard for, um, for, for clinical research. That's so cool. Like the fact that six to 12 months is a realistic timeline is like one of the most exciting things I could think about because that's like, that. that's not one of those, you know, pie in the sky visionary goals. This is like a realistic, this could happen this year or next year. And that's pretty darn cool. So Let's get people excited because I'm sure there are going to be people out there who want to get involved. So if you're in the clinical research world or if you're you know, in the healthcare industry and you're trying to figure out a way that you can get involved with the cure chain, Jacob, how, how can folks go about doing that? Well, today, the easiest way is, is just uh, reach out to me. You know, I'm, I'm totally accessible, uh, but uh, you can find uh, a little bit of information at curetoken.com. Uh, or at the BeckleyFoundation.org, which is the foundation aspect. But we're currently in development of, uh, you know, kind of a few key areas. You know, the the uh, the websites, you know, to provide more information and literature. We're going to be producing a white paper, which will be a very thorough explanation of how this is going coming to life. And as Jim mentioned, you know, the demonstrability of this. We are we are working. You know, we're working to make this happen pretty fast. 
you know, and, just, and get it to the point where we start demoing it, start ingesting data, start seeing how researchers can utilize this and what we need to pivot on. You know, this idea is going to evolve. You know, this is not a an idea that is uh, is baked. This is going to iterate and there's going to be an evolution to it. But uh, but there's there's tons of ways that they can uh, learn about. It, but obviously, reaching out to us is, is going to be the easiest. So. When I'm in the world of sales, we lay out everything that looks great, but then there's also things that we have to be aware of that are going to hold us back. So I, I'll just jump ball here, and I'm not sure who wants to, to take this question, but what do you foresee being the biggest roadblocks to getting this in action? I don't know. You know, that's, uh, that's a good question because in the innovation process, you know, those are the, those are the things you tackle first, you know, the hardest things. And uh, as Jim mentioned, this has been proven, you know, in other contexts, he's proven it, you know, so it's a matter of reassembling, you know, in a, a different type of context and, and structure. But the reality is, from a technology standpoint, there really isn't anything that uh, isn't possible that we need to worry about that is going to prevent us or be a barrier. Uh, once we get further along, there, there may be things more around compliance, uh, more around, you know, government regulations, healthcare regulations, but uh, Jim has a lot of experience in that. And we're also assembling a team of people who have a lot more experience than, than both of us, both on the research side, as well as just uh, compliance. So at this point, I, I think time is probably our biggest barrier. We want to move fast. Uh, but uh, but as far as feasibility, I think we, we've seen it. Uh, I've seen it. This is, this is truly within our reach and within our grasp. And we're going to get there as fast as we can. Exciting stuff. Jim, anything you want to add in terms of the overall architecture, the infrastructure that is CureChain? Yeah, what I would say is we are, uh, and, and really this is our business, but but Jake is also fully kind of on board with this. We are building technologies that really from by design are secure, privacy preserving, and and scale. And, and those are not easy things. I mean, they're very easy to say. Don't get me wrong. Anyone can say it. They're not easy to build. They're not easy to build in a way that becomes a repeatable process. But that's really where we differentiate ourselves. That's kind of, that's my background. Again, having built a lot of these very big systems, but with that kind of a mindset, with the compliance mindset, um, Jake mentioned compliance as example. You know, we are fully aware of, for instance, HIPAA compliance and, and, and the, PHI, PII kind of, of uh, restrictions that they have, uh, how to anonymize data. I was mentioning how we pseudonymize it. It goes on the ledger. But we're also aware of, for instance, the, uh, the general data uh, protection regulations in Europe, which protect uh, individuals' rights. In fact, part of our product, Rice Hatch, is very much built around this idea. We're aware of, for instance, what's going on in California with what's called the uh, CCPA, California Consumer Protection Act, and many other ones, that, that many other rules and regulations that, that are kind of coming on, which are really good because essentially the, the, the gist of them is to protect the individual's rights. And, and if you, I, I know, Brian, you know this already, and certainly Jake does, that this whole movement towards, towards Web, Web 3.0 is really partially to do with, with empowering the individual. So, so it's very much part of what I think in this, this idea of, of building things that, that ultimately help the individual and their rights and, and we don't become another intermediary, right? So, so a lot of our thinking is even at the low level of technology is not to build things that become white elephants and, and silo technologies because just because you call it a blockchain enable something, that's just a sexier label for, for, for a bad solution if it's not interoperable. 
So a lot of those things go through our head. And, you know, those are the kind of things that I think, you know, make me excited about the, about the future of this. It's all exciting stuff, honestly. Like the, the future is truly, it's going to just be awesome. And I know I, I, like everybody looks around and it's so easy to, to just, oh, doom and gloom. But the things that are being done behind the scenes, there's so much to look forward to in terms of the technological advancements and what that's going to be able to do for society. I mean, if we are able to solve the, the problems we see in healthcare in a fraction of the time, just think about the time, the energy, the effort that can be spent and also the resources in other areas versus the prolonged and in many cases siloed activities. It is truly going to be a different world, a different future for healthcare. And hey, we have two of the most uh, instrumental pieces here in that movement with Jim and Jacob joining us. So with that being said, folks, uh, please do us a solid and make sure you support the amazing work that they are doing over at uh, the Cure Chain, but also over at the Beckley Foundation. Jacob, where can folks go ahead and support the Beckley Foundation and find you? Uh, they can go to the BeckleyFoundation.org. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, we do uh, we do provide grants as well. So come there if you're interested in uh, know any families that need support, financial support, who are uh, going through some struggles with pediatric cancer. We'd be we'd be happy and privileged to be able to support them. And obviously, double check the episode from last uh, week or so. I'll make sure I put that link in the show notes as well uh, because it was a great deep dive into exactly what uh, you're doing there for helping fighting pediatric cancer. Jim, where can folks go ahead and uh, find you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm also quite easily accessible. I'm on Twitter at, at jnasser, uh, J-N-A-S-R. Our website is acor.com, A-C-O-E-R. I'm on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with folks and yeah, certainly I think both Jacob and I really kind of believe in, in the mission behind this. So, you know, hopefully that, that that's echoed in, in how we present ourselves. Gentlemen, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. Folks, please, if you enjoyed today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do me a solid. Go ahead and give it a share. And when you do, please give these two fine gents a tag and also give yours truly a tag as well at B Nichols Liberty. With that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Jacob Beckley and Jim Nasser. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. This is renegade statesman Eric Brakey, host of Free America Now, a podcast for people ready to strike down tyranny. As a former state legislator who knows how the political machine works, I lead every episode with a free-range discussion alongside thinkers, activists, and policymakers. People like Tom Woods, Hannah Cox, and WWE superstar and Knox County Mayor Glenn Kane Jacobs on just how to free America now. New episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, and you can find Free America Now on your favorite podcasting app. So be sure to subscribe, unless you're a communist, in which case I understand why you wouldn't really like the show. 
furthermore, my opinion is the Federal Reserve should be destroyed. So let's free America now.